Inductees into the South Dakota Hall of Fame come from all backgrounds of life, but one thing they all have in common is their daily pursuit of their dreams. In this podcast, you will hear stories of the legacy of these inductees and how these dream chasers have impacted South Dakota in meaningful ways. We are with 2020 Hall of Fame inductee, former Senator Larry Pressler, and I'm going to give, I won't do your background justice, but I'm gonna give a thumbnail for those who may not know it. Grew up in Humboldt, South Dakota, you were a basketball player, you were very active in 4-H nationally, internationally in 4-H, Rhodes Scholar, Harvard Law School, two combat tours in Vietnam, two terms in the U.S. House, as I recall, 18 years as a U.S. Senator, chairing the important Commerce Committee during your term, uh, then went on after your Senate career as a lecturer and still as a public servant in many not-for-profit entities, so we're pleased that you're here today, but with all of that illustrious background, what were the moments as you look back in your life that were really pivotal to steering you to a career in public service? Well, uh, I think uh, growing up on a farm in uh, eastern South Dakota where we didn't have much money, but uh, there were some public servants who helped us, such as our teachers and uh, the, the people in the the uh, township board and uh, elsewhere, elsewhere, it seemed to me that um, to be able to serve the public would be a good thing. Also, um, my parents always said, "Do for it's what you do for others that counts the most and so forth, and that's a part of public service. So I guess it was uh, a combination of having a lot of people do things for me, a lot of people help me when I was, uh, a child, I had a stutter, a childhood stutter, and I got some help from some of the teachers and from uh, uh, down at the speech clinic down at the University of South Dakota. So I had, of course, you have to take care of yourself. First, you, you got to earn a living, and uh, uh, but I decided I would devote as much of my life as I could afford to public service. So as you know, I'm, I'm trying to imagine being a kid growing up on a farm in Humboldt. Were you aware of things like Rhodes Scholarships? No, Were you no. aware? How did those doors open for you? No, uh, I really was not. Like for, uh, interesting, you should mention the Rhodes Scholarship. I really didn't hear of that until I went down to the University of South Dakota. In my first week there, I met Paul Van Buren of Del Rapids, who was just leaving for a Rhodes Scholarship in England. And I said, my God, I got to figure out how to, how, to, how to get one of those. <laughs> so, uh, and the, the answer was get as many A's as you can and um, do your, uh, all your work well and um, get some recommendations from some professors and so forth. So I'm very grateful to God for that. And as a young man, you know, we, we talk about higher powers and opening those doors of putting someone in front of you who'd had a Rhodes Scholarship, and then you go on to Harvard, and then you're in Vietnam. You know, how did those things lead to an evolution of what is the next step for Larry Pressler? How did you get from Rhodes Scholarship? Harvard Law seems like, if not knowing you, would seem like a natural, but then Vietnam, and then where does the, I think I'll run for the U.S. House of Representatives come in, yeah, how does yeah. that happen? Well, actually, it wasn't planned, uh, and uh, in fact, people who knew me as a, ch as a child or a grade school student are rather surprised that I should have had a career in 
speaking or in public service or rhetoric in the sense that uh, I had a childhood stutter and I was rather shy. Uh, but I, and originally I wanted to be in the foreign service. I was reading about geography in different countries. So, and, and I did, I, I did, I became a member of the foreign service. I don't know, my, my resume is so long that I've tried to shorten it up a little bit, but um, it seemed to me that um, uh, getting into the foreign service would be a, a, a great uh, thing. So I studied hard for that. And you have to take an exam to get into the foreign service. And uh, so that was kind of a goal that I had then. So I really didn't plan a career in politics. When I was in uh, uh, college, my father got ill. And, and he, he remained ill for a number of years, partially ill. He, he eventually died of Alzheimer's disease. But um, um, so I was needed on the home front, so to speak. So I left that and came back to South Dakota and uh, got was getting engaged in business and possibly law. And uh, then this led to, uh, then at that moment, there, there happened to be a house seat open in, uh, in South Dakota. So um, one thing after another just fell into, so I went in a completely different direction than I had originally planned, as I had planned to stay in the Foreign Service for a number mm -hmm. of years. And did somebody suggest to you that house seat, or did you see the seat was open and think, I can do that? Well, <laughs> that's an interesting question also. Uh, um, I thought about it. Uh, uh, I was looking for an opportunity, and uh, others saw it, and, and it was sort of a combination. Uh, so I, I ran for the U.S. House and won, uh, a little bit to my surprise. But also, again, a little bit by accident, because I am more of a centrist Republican. I'm a moderate. And we had two very conservative Republicans running against each other in the primary for the U.S. House at that moment. And uh, so it was, I was very lucky to win the nomination. Mm -hmm. Re-elected and then went on to the Senate. That's right. And I stayed in the Senate for three terms and then I was defeated in uh, 1996. So I've had some defeats in there too also mm -hmm. in my lifetime. Mm -hmm. and. Uh, I, I would say I was surprised to get elected, and I was equally surprised to get defeated because you can't really, I can't really attribute one thing to my getting elected, and I can't attribute to uh, my defeat as I'd, uh, I had a pretty good legislative record. Some people say that in the Senate, after three terms, people get kind of tired of you. In fact, um, George McGovern lost after three terms, Tom Daschle lost after three terms. And I, Larry Pressler, lost after three terms. So we have this um, four-term uh, uh, limit. Uh, they call it the curse of Carl. <laughs> Carl, <laughs> Munt, <laughs> Carl Munt won a fourth term and then was speechless shortly thereafter from a stroke. Uh, now we, we have uh, my friend uh, John Thune is, I think, coming up to run for a fourth term, maybe, or a third term. I can't quite recall which. but. I told him, Bef beware of Carl's curse, it's called. <laughs> yeah. When you look back on your legislative career, um, I, you know, I can think of a lot of things because I worked in the media industry that was governed by the Commerce Committee that I'm well familiar with, but what do you look back as some of your legislative accomplishments, things that will have a legacy as far as you're concerned long beyond your life on this earth? Well, I did a lot of things in agriculture and business. Um, we had um, the whole, during my lifetime, we had this painful evolution uh, 
technology uh, came along in agriculture, for example, and everything else and bigness became, and that was true in telecommunications too. And I deeply regret that we don't have all those local radio stations anymore where they give the news and the local news. But um, technology had replaced them. People weren't listening to them anymore. They were listening to Sirius Radio or mm -hmm. something like that. And uh, time was marching on. So in part, we have to respond to things that are happening anyway in technology. And that's been true in agriculture. It's been true in um, uh, telecommunications. But especially the, uh, it's especially true in the whole area of uh, uh, agriculture, for example, where farms have gotten so big mm -hmm. and one farmer can do the work of 10 now. And uh, this means that we've lost a lot of our family farmers and that's a problem and it's a tragedy. But that's more a result of technology than it is that we don't really need one man with a one bottom plow with a mule plowing. Uh, that, that, uh, we now have uh, no-till legislation whether we use this, uh, expensive uh, sprays and so forth. So those are some of the things that have changed from technology. So we have to try to keep up and so my lifetime has been one of breathtaking changes and uh, my Telecommunications Act of 96 was part of that effort to change and, and when we first passed it the companies didn't like it because they thought it would uh, be uh, harmful to them but uh, the public demanded uh, it and so we uh, uh, I think that uh, uh, that we're uh, on a good path there but as we go along we must um, remember that uh, Part of the challenge that God gives us is to, we sometimes have to adopt to change or we have to adopt to our own health or we have to adopt to whatever's going on. And uh, uh, so I'm grateful that I, but during my lifetime we've had so many changes, it's been breathtaking for me to mm -hmm. comprehend them and they're still going on. Mm -hmm. You talked earlier in the interview about overcoming a stutter as a mm -hmm. child. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when I, when I, think back and look at your resume, I'm thinking of a kid today in Humboldt or pick mm -hmm. any other small town in South Dakota who might not see himself as the next potential mm -hmm. U.S. Senator from mm -hmm. the state of South Dakota because he comes from a small town or he or she has a lisp. What would you say to those people about the possibilities that exist today? Well, I think they're much better off now because they usually have some counselors in the school. In my little tiny schools, we didn't have anybody who knew what caused a stutter? You know, they thought, mm -hmm. well, you're, you're unhappy or something. Uh, and sometimes it's just you have some involuntary nerves in your throat that, um, and it wasn't until I got to the University of South Dakota that I, I got some professional uh, speech therapy. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, uh, there are a lot of people, and also I just was so ashamed. Uh, I thought the, the stutter was my own fault or something. I was very ashamed of anybody noticing it and people, uh, and the stuttering is one thing that other kids can still make fun of uh, and, and uh, people don't consider it a disability, but it certainly is. Um, so those are uh, just a few of the things, but times have changed now and I think we have better professional speech counseling. Uh, but in those days, I went to a very small grade school, a one-room grade school. I started out in a one-room grade school 
Uh, and so I would say to the young people that uh, don't underestimate yourself. It is, um, we South Dakotans tend to underestimate ourselves and uh, we're uh, um, uh, not meek, but we are, I'm searching for the right word, uh, uh, but in any event, we need to remember that uh, we can do just as well as anybody. They used to say that if you went along the fence line between Minnesota and South Dakota, or South Dakota and Iowa, the young person on the, on the Minnesota side would think of himself as possibly a future president of the United States, whereas a mile away, the fellow from uh, uh, the South Dakota side would uh, hesitate to think of himself as a future millionaire or president of the United States. So we, we should not underestimate ourselves, and that's why the, why the uh, South Dakota, uh, this, uh, this program that we are celebrating here today is so important because it gives recognitions to South Dakotans of accomplishment. And we tend to think, well, that's for people elsewhere. You know, when George McGovern was running for president, people, they said, well, he's from South Dakota. He can't get there anywhere. And the state voted against him maybe for other reasons, I don't know. But in any event, we need to, we're just as good as anybody and uh, a little better in many cases. So uh, uh, that is something we have to work at. I say we have a natural inferiority complex in South Dakota, and that's why the, uh, this, uh, this program that you had is so important, the South Dakota Hall of Fame, because it gives recognition to South Dakotans who have made accomplishments. and. Um, we don't have too many, we don't pat ourselves on the back quite enough. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, let me ask you to suspend your South Dakota humbleness for a minute, which you still have, even though you lived in Washington for a lot of years, you still have an innate South Dakota humbleness, and I'm gonna ask you to suspend it for a minute, because you also talked about the health challenges that you faced, but at some point we're all gone, and when we're gone, how do you want people to remember Larry Pressler? I would want him to, uh, I would want to be remembered as a man who loved his wife and uh, my family. I, I have uh, uh, a daughter, Laura, and grandchildren. And I would want him to be, be remembered as somebody who tried to help others, who tried to help uh, somebody who's having a, a problem with alcohol or with debt or with all the problems that we have or getting a job. Um, of course, you get one person a job, that means you, the other person doesn't get it. So it's very hard to, to know when to try to be involved, uh, but uh, I guess I'd like to be remembered as somebody who loved his God, loved his family, and did his very best. Mm -hmm. Well, you certainly did that, and I think as evidenced by one of your classmates is a person you appointed to one of the military academies. Yes, and I'm very proud of him. Mike yes. Cartney going into the Hall of Fame with you. Yes, that's right, so. and and uh, um, I'm very proud of him, and he's uh, been heading that magnificent vocational technical school over there at Watertown, which way back at the beginning I had a lot to do with that appropriation. That was an accomplishment of mine. You know, when you mm -hmm. talk about listing your accomplishments, have you been in the Congress for 22 years from a state, um, uh, it would be such a long list that I usually don't even list some of the things. Well, I think a lot of times, the reason I ask you that is I think a lot of times people disconnect from the role of their congressperson or senator in how their lives are led today. And I think on the the western side of South Dakota, the railroad, mm -hmm. as an example. If it had not been for your intervention and action, we may not have rail service into western South Dakota today. And I'm not sure people under, understand that it's not 
necessarily political rhetoric, it's often political action that directly yes. affects their lives. That's right. Most of the politics in serving in Congress are, are trying to solve some practical problems people have. Of course, we have a great problem with transportation in South Dakota in that getting to this conference in the middle of our state, and when Chamberlain uh, um, is a challenge, I think the only way to get here is by automobile, correct me if I'm wrong, and, and uh, the, the, the folks on along the Amtrak on the East Coast, they say, well, why don't you take the train, or something like that. Uh, but I'm just very grateful. But on the other hand, we, uh, we have a hardworking people who um, have kept a debt-free state, and uh, there's a lot of positives to that also. Mm -hmm. I, you are you are a deep thinker, and you've always been a big thinker about about issues and ahead of your time. As you look out in the next five or ten years in South Dakota, what do you wish people were talking and thinking about? Well, I think we need to think. We need to be grateful to God for giving us this beautiful state and land to live in. And uh, I was in my morning prayers, which I usually say as I'm eating my breakfast. <laughs> uh, uh, but to be thankful to God for this day, to be thankful for my wife and my life and for uh, this bed to, this, this warm bed to crawl out of, uh, and so forth. We just need to be more thankful, I think, more, gra more grateful. I'm worried that we're kind of uh, becoming expectant of um, an easy life, or we're expecting, uh, and I grew up, it was a dairy farm with 12 cows, that's very few cows, but we still milk cows by hand in those days. And um, uh, I'm certainly not for abuse of uh, children's labor or anything like that, but uh, there's something to be said sometimes for the work ethic that you get from uh, the steady demands of milking cows morning and night. It sounds, it sounds a little old-fashioned, but uh, we now are living in an era where people can get paid for doing nothing, sometimes more than if they have a job and pay taxes on it. And uh, so this is a very, it's a, it's a little bit of a harsh world, and, uh, we, but we need to give recognition to work, to productivity, and we need to be grateful to people who work hard, as you do. <laughs> I think there's dignity in work. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, Senator Pressler, as we wrap up, is there anything I haven't asked you that you'd like to talk about as we build out this legacy of achievement page for you in the South Dakota Hall of Fame? Is there anything you'd like to say? No, well, in fact, you reminded me, you flattered me by having one of my books. I wrote a book about the 23 senators from South Dakota, and you cited something I had cited, Jim Aberesk, of, as, uh, who I just stopped to see the other day uh, in Sioux Falls, his wife's restaurant uh, there in, in Sioux Falls, and uh, he, he, he wasn't in, but uh, the point is that we have a great country, and we're, we're not all Republicans or Democrats, and uh, we, th we thank you very much, because I think the South Dakota Hall of Fame is what we need, is something to feel good about ourselves a little bit, and once in a while, Pat, I'm uh, always self-deprecating or uh, self-critical. And um, uh, so I need uh, some cheerleaders around. And we're glad to do it. And your accomplishments are worth cheering about. So Good. Senator Larry Pressler, thank you for being here today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn more about the South Dakota Hall of Fame and these dream chasers, visit our website at www.sdexcellence.org and follow us on Facebook and Instagram.